sabbatical it's adam myros uh this one week even count as sabbatical i don't know i don't know man i was i was trying to cover for you last week and and now i find out you skipped the whole podcast because you wanted to go see renfield well damn i didn't even succeed in that mission what are you talking about i actually seen renfield like I, you're like i gotta i gotta see that renfield that nicholas <laughs> K, he's a crazy guy i gotta go see him what's he gonna do next that's what you kept saying. That's what you're doing. You're like, all right, sorry. Can't watch movies this week. All I can watch is Renfield. You kept telling me. Well, who is the crazy guy in Renfield? Renfield or, or Nick Cage? I don't know. I mean, that's kind of the central question for the film, really. I mean, that's, that's the key to unlocking its secrets, is figuring that part out, you know? Um, also, I, I know you're a big Aquafina guy, you know? You, you liked her in that, that Oceans movie. The, what, what is it? The Oceans lower number than 11. What, which one is it? Uh, eight. I eight. Think it was eight's eight. the number. Eight's, eight's the number. Yeah, you liked her in that mm. one. I don't recall her in it. I liked that movie well enough. It was it was entertaining. <laughs> Feel free yeah. <laughs> mission I'm learning so much about Adam here. Yeah, it, that's what it's about. You know, we, we we're kind of about talking about movies, but really it's about unwrapping yeah, I went to the enigma of Adam Ocean's Myron. 8, Steve, because I am an ally. You know, that's what you need to learn about me. An Aquafita ally? Well, just women in general, they can do it just as well as uh, Danny Ocean and the boys. I, I think we learned that by, yeah. by going to the theater, paying our ticket, and seeing Ocean's 8. Oh, that's true. Uh, also joining us, Jack Easton. Jack Easton, can women also do crime? Uh, yes, they can. Uh, actually, very, very worrying crimes. Like, they can get pregnant, and then uh, mm. the pregnancy cannot go to term, at which point there's a crime there. Certainly, yeah. Um, uh-huh. And women like to rub that in in our faces, and that's why we need a lot of legislation. That's true. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't stand for a lot of things, but uh, I'm kind of a single uh, issue voter, and and my issue is uh, uh, women. Maybe maybe we should have hands on your bodies instead of hands. Yeah, off yeah. Your bodies, I'm a single right? issue voter too. My my issue is cruelty, and I'm just think we need more mm. of it in just all walks yeah. of life, but not for me. Not obviously. enough of that. Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah, good. I, well, I'm thinking I'm gonna take cut this sabbatical a little short. I should have taken another <laughs> week off. <laughs> what are you anti cruelty all of a sudden? Come on, <laughs> who the fuck are you? <laughs> Listen, this country was founded on one simple principle, and uh, that that principle is cruelty. And it's it's high time you fucking recognize that. Maybe you do need another week off to reflect, my friend. Small government, enormous amounts of cruelty. That's the central yeah, tenet exactly. of this entire setup. Yep, government size goes down, oppression goes up. That is the algorithm for success. I found personally. Oh, well, uh, I, enough about the state of American politics, I guess. We're gonna, we we watched some fucking movies, man. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to stay topical again, because there's, there's a new Evil Dead out. And some people would say, oh, you going you to talk about the new Evil Dead? And the answer is no, but if you're a patron, then you're probably going to get a bonus episode of uh, Myros and I talking about it. So stay tuned for that. But we're going to talk about Evil Dead adjacent things, which is good. Uh, but the problem is, and this, this is a serious issue, I was doing some, some research and uh, I've, I've got the, uh, the nefarious TikTok app on my phone and I was trying to kill some time and instead of my usual algorithms of like, 
you know, tiny kittens doing cute things. Uh, because I was researching these movies, TikTok decided that I'm a huge horror fan, which I mean, I am, but like, let's, let's pump the brakes on that. I don't, I don't want like the internet to, to think that, or, you know, I don't want computers to know these things. So it started serving me all these like horror themed TikToks. And I got to tell you guys, we've been doing it wrong this whole time. This is, this is not, this is not the way forward. The this path is not forward, news to me, Steve. <laughs> for, I'm serious, folks. This is amazing. There's all these different accounts because it wasn't just like one guy. It was like 10 different guys and another 10 different women that were all doing the exact same thing. Our problem is we're going to talk about the movies that we watched and we, and we watched them. And you're not supposed to do that. The, the trick is, according, you know, based on the algorithm that I've been served up, is you show a poster of a, of a movie that you didn't really watch and then you say something like, this is one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. I got to nine minutes and 41 seconds before I had to turn it off. And according to this Netflix algorithm report, most people barely make it five. Have you checked it out yet? And then, and then you, don't, you don't even watch it. You just show the poster. You talk about the poster and what you think it is and how you didn't watch this it. This is going to save That's me. That's the mistake that we made. This is going to save me so much time. This is an incredible hack. And, and, I, and I thought we were on the right path, especially this week, because I think, like, uh, of the three movies, not a single one clocks in at over 80 minutes. And one of them is about 30 with like 10 minutes of bloopers. And uh, the other one's like an hour. Uh, I, I thought we were, we were marching on the path. Efficiency, quality, that's what we were going for. And, and, and a theme that aligns with a popular contemporary release. All the stars were aligning. But then I was like, no, we made the mistake of watching the movies. That's what we did wrong. So, I don't know, Steve. Sometimes I don't watch the movies, you know, like it, I think I could have a similar reaction to like Bo is afraid or something. I feel like I saw the poster, the trailer. That's sufficient. Yeah, I, I could form my, my reaction to that. Uh, yeah, it's good. I've been really enjoying the fallout around that movie because I watched Hereditary and I, you know, and it, it was fine. I didn't particularly like it, but no, I also didn't is, really it dislike it. I haven't watched any of, of Astor's next two movies. And it, it, honestly, it's kind of great. Everyone's going back and forward. Is the death of cinema? Is it the new thing? Is it big? Is it small? Is it important? I'm just kind of like, eh, I don't really care. And it's been, it's been great, exactly. frankly. I'm thinking of never watching one of his films ever again. I, I would recommend doing that. And, and here's why. Okay, <laughs> I've, I've seen Hereditary. I've seen Midsummer. Midsummer did not care for it all. Hereditary agreed. It's fine. Uh, the, the problem with Ari Aster is I suspect that in conversation, we would get along with him swimmingly. I bet he sure. likes a lot of the same things that we like. Oh, yeah, he's great taste in movies. Could, could, yeah, wonderful taste. And, and he's probably just a, a, a nice, affable guy, and, and we would get along swimmingly. However, this is the classic problem of having a friend that you really enjoy as a person, but the thing they create is dog shit. And everyone has had this experience. You ever got invited to your friends like, oh, come to my improv show. Oh, uh, I, I have an art installation where I've done watercolor pictures of my dog. And, and you like this person, but you just, whatever they're creating is dog shit. And, and that is Ari Aster. But, but normally, this is a very focused problem that we have in life where it's like, okay, well, I'm going to support my friend, even though I don't like their shit, but like, whatever, they're nice. But now the nice guy uh, that, that you probably have a lot of similar tastes and things with is, is creating movies that are the, the center of film discourse. And 
that's the problem Ari Aster is running into. So, yeah, I don't even blame his movies. No, or, no or they're, they're unimportant. It's just the narrative around them, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, these yeah. are movies that are like fundamentally, at, at least with his first two films, I don't know what this new thing is. It looks uh, more ambitious, I'll say, but his first two films are pretty transparently like pastiche, like homage to very specific genre films and I, I suppose my main critique would be that they don't really do anything to differentiate from the better earlier films. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah th- but that's fine. I've seen plenty of movies like that and I've seen plenty of movies like that that I enjoy. It's just the fact that all of a sudden he's become the face for new horror. And it's like, what new horror is just uh, the old horror except worse? Yeah, I yeah. can see 20 years. I think, I think everybody should congratulate me for liking the wicker man as well yeah yeah no i I can see 20 years from now i think it might be nice to sit down have a little ari aster season for myself you know just when no one's talking about it it's all old no one you know just sit down check out you know might check out midsummer see might even do the director's cut why not i'll be i'll be 60 whatever it'll be great (laughs) yeah you have four hours to kill (laughs) god Oh, well, believe it or not, we're not talking about Ari Aster. We are talking about evil dead adjacent things. And, uh, you know, I, I, with this new evil dead movie, it's, it's kind of an odd position for an evil dead movie to be in because I mean, we had Raimi's original trilogy and then this long gap. And then in 2013, Hollywood said it is time for us to, to reboot, remake, re-whatever, reimagine Evil Dead. And in 2013, they did. And people said, this is fine. Nice job. And I said, not for me. But most people said, this is fine. Nice job. And it made money. And it's whatever. And even since then, people have come back and they're like, oh, it's so much better than you think it is. It's not. But people are saying this. And then nothing. Then we, we get a full decade of of, of nothing. I mean, well, there's another, there's, there's an show. evil dead TV right. show, but I'm saying like in terms of films, they, they never, they never took the, uh, the reboot and, and did anything else with it. It was just kind of a standalone thing. And now it's 2023 and it's, it's not a sequel. It's kind of like, uh, I guess this is kind of the Spider-Man thing, right? It's like you, you, you do a new one and then you go, eh, maybe that wasn't what I wanted. So you do another new one. And so we have another brand new standalone evil dead. Uh, this is all very interesting to me because I think if you think about just influential uh, horror figures, franchises, films, things like that, uh, Sam Raimi and Evil Dead, you would be hard pressed to find a single uh, working director who fucks around with horror movies, perhaps an Ari Aster, uh, who hasn't been influenced in some way, shape or form by Sam Raimi or would say, you know, Evil Dead was was formative to to my film taste. I, I shit, I'm not. a a famous or talented person, but I would say the same thing. Uh, That was, you know, when I saw Evil Dead for the first time when I was like 15 years old, it blew my fucking mind. Yeah. Completely blew my mind. Unbelievable. And yet, I I feel like (laughs) there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's, it's not like other franchises, not like, you know, Halloween kicks off a decade of slashers or something like that, or, uh, Wes Craven with New Nightmare and Scream kind of kicks off this still ongoing era of self-aware wink at the camera horror. Uh, there's there's not a lot of things where you look at them and you go, oh, this is this is clearly inspired purely by Evil Dead. So I, I wanted to try and dig up a few things 
that were in that mold. And but first, it, it does it. Am I completely off my rocker here, or does it seem like, despite being, <laughs> I mean, at, at least when you when you read interviews or hear from other filmmakers, they say, "Oh yeah, you know, Sam Raimi, Evil Dead." But it doesn't seem like in practice. You're seeing a lot of people aping. Yeah, Randy. no, I, th- I think the 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 legacy of Evil Dead more than anything else. Like, I mean, you, you mentioned Halloween kicked off like just slasher movies, like that kind of condensed, slick model of slasher movie. It, what Evil Dead kicked off was people saw it and they just wanted to make movies. I, I think it was like the Velvet Underground effect, you know, or except mm-hmm. probably more more popular than the Velvet Underground were at the time. But you know, as they say, like everyone who listened to Velvet Underground went and and form their own band they, they just realized this was like a thing you could do evil dead i think the legacy of it is not so much films that l- were like evil dead it was just it was people started making movies so like you know at home just fucking around with cameras it was becoming more available with you know super 8 films and so you know it was getting more available to just kind of like make stuff at home and now obviously in the you know, post 2000, I mean, it's gotten very easy to to shoot at home. And I think it's just sort of like the it's the DIY quality more than anything else that just that kind of is the legacy of the franchise. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I mean, there, there isn't a lot of because uh, I mean, the, 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 the ingredients of Evil Dead are, I mean, just kind of gore and a, an isolated location and a monster or some monsters. There's kind of there's not really fast rules with that film at all. They could kind of do whatever they wanted, and this certainly did by like Evil Dead Three. I mean, it's just like a Harryhausen homage claymation movie at that <laughs> point. So yeah, I, I think it was yeah. it was just you know it freed people up. It gave them the the imagination. Just realize, hell, I could uh, you know these couple of teenagers just went out and made a goddamn movie and it rocked. So maybe maybe I can mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a, I mean, obviously one of the major legacies is, I mean, I think it kicked off a lot of the horror comedy, even as you talk about Scream as like an influence on the sort of wink, wink shit. I think Evil Dead in, in many respects uh, informs a lot of the stuff you'll see, you know, your your bullshit uh, cabin in the woods and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, but I, I think it's lasting legacy in genre film was probably camera movement more than anything. Like it was just such a, a revelation on that front. But um, yeah, I, I, I agree with this notion that the, the rules really don't exist. And that's kind of the beauty of evil dead and something like return to the living dead is that it, it disposes with all of that. It's like, uh, you, so many horror movies, especially zombie movies are so like entrenched in this, like, notion of playing within the the rules set out by romero etc etc and and these movies are just like yeah you can't fucking win (laughs) it's like there's there's no stopping this shit Uh, i don't know maybe cut it to small pieces and i don't know i guess maybe that'll work but it's like no fuck you you're just fucking fucked (laughs) yep exactly uh which i will say without you know spoiling too much of our special patreon episode that that will go live uh probably in the next week or so uh yeah i i think one of the strengths of of the new remake reboot re whatever is it it really doesn't give a fuck it recognizes that evil dead isn't some kind of you know sacred cow uh and it just kind of does its own thing with some winks and nods to the original series and that's probably the best way to go and uh yeah i <laughs> it, it's funny because evil dead rise is 
probably a better movie if it's just its own thing. And then we're able to be like, oh, yeah, this is like clearly, you know, someone like Sam Raimi a lot, uh, as opposed to just being dragged down by like, it's an Evil Dead movie. Well, it, yeah, sure. Well, I, uh, I prefer this approach because otherwise you're back in Ari Aster territory. It'd be its own yeah. original thing. And all of a sudden, A24 would put it out and everyone would say, it's the most important horror movie of the decade. And you're like, <laughs> wait, it's just an Evil Dead <laughs> riff. Yep. Yep. Uh, well, we've got three pretty solid films this week, and they all kind of fit into this this mold that we've established of, you know, they're they're not necessarily trying to completely rip off Evil Dead, uh, but the inspiration is there, and and it has that kind of like DIY spirit uh, that you know Raimi helped popularize in the '80s with the Evil Dead series. And the first one is about as DIY as you get because this is the equivalent of you're like 13 years old and you steal your parents' uh, VHS camcorder and you make a horror movie with your friends. The only difference is this one is German and it's got a Blu-ray release. <laughs> well, and it was made by adults. <laughs> uh, 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 Probably, maybe. I mean, how adult are these? They they can't be that old. Like maybe older teenagers, early twenties. It's it's hard to say. But uh, the movie is "Fuck the Devil" from nineteen ninety. We did not watch the nineteen ninety one sequel, unfortunately. Maybe one day. Uh, but yeah, this is it, it's it's kind of nice because I, I don't know. It, it, we talk about a lo fi aesthetic. There's no way getting around it because it was shot on. I I don't even fucking know. Like the lowest grade consumer camcorder imaginable. Um, it's probably was shot in less than a day, if I had to guess. It's only 30 minutes long, but it's just got this like warm, fuzzy, loving homage energy. And I mean, the actual plot of the movie is someone puts in a copy of Evil Dead 2 and it uh, summons a, a serial killer who kicks a baby across the room. So, yes, a serial killer named named Fucker or the Fucker. Mm -hmm. Fucker, because uh, yeah. why, why yeah. wouldn't he be? Gives one of the best sure, credits yeah. in cinema history, where one guy is just introduced as Fucker, uh, which is you know not not many movies German, can do so that. Der Fucker, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is there's yeah. a sequel as well, which I don't I, I didn't bother hunting down a copy of after I saw this, but uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I believe it is called Fuck the Fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to do it. He's a mean guy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's called a franchise, Adam. Get it together. Just learn to appreciate things. I mean, um, my biggest thing with this is how the fuck? How am I watching this? Like, why? How? <laughs> it definitely has that effect. Yeah, I mean, it it is tremendously lo-fi it really feels like this is the kind of thing that you know some friends made together and fair play to them and it's very fun that they did this and they could all get together and watch it and laugh about having made this movie it's really weird that 30 years on in an entirely separate continent i am watching this movie and i don't know any of the yeah, people involved especially from from the era like this is the sort of thing steve and i would run into on occasion on caustic content but that's just because amazon has no quality standards and like the guy who made it could just upload it to fucking prime and that then it exists it, it would go away eventually but it would exist but this how the fuck does it exist <laughs> like, how did it ever have any sort of distribution how did it survive for fucking <laughs> 35 years or what the fuck mm -hmm. ever 
Like, I, I, I can't understand what's happening. It's a minor miracle. I mean, and like I say, I, I did enjoy it. I think for 30 minutes or so, however long it lasts. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely, you got to get into the spirit of it. It is not fancy or nuanced in any way. There's barely any story. The, the friskiest it gets is probably some uh, jump cuts. That's about, like, it's advanced. Because I'm guessing this mm-hmm. thing was edited on video. So they probably, if they ever wanted to make an edit, they had to, like, run back through the whole thing over and over oh, you know yeah. this is like i i'm sure this was edited with two vcrs yes hooked up yeah yeah like this is this is just dubbing to the table. absolutely like the you know absolutely just homemade completely um a couple of like i mean the other fancy thing they do i think is they, they probably buy some intestines from the from the, the butcher at some point some off cuts to create a but Jack, that was fucking very clearly spaghetti. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know if it was because we didn't get the Blu-ray cut. We watched an ancient, ancient digital copy of the VHS rip. That is, it's yeah. difficult to see what's happening. I don't know. Maybe it was spaghetti. She was boiling it in a in a thing. Is that's about the behind the scenes magic to let you know what's happening? Uh, she was boiling something in a large pot. But anyhow, yeah, there's there's some entrails there for, for one of the later eviscerations. But it's uh. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is this is very much just like some kids mucking around in their their house, and they love horror movies. We also get to see some clips of uh, Friday or the Nightmare on Elm Street as well, just to let you know. Um, weirdly, I, I noticed a copy of Evil Dead Two they kick off with this British VHS copy, and I do wonder if because uh, I know Germany through like the eighties and nineties had like crazy film censorship; they were like banning and cutting all kinds of stuff. I wonder if Evil Dead mm-hmm. Two was like. They had to like sneak in a video in the same way that like in, <laughs> in the it. UK. I'd, they I'd did almost that. guarantee it was illegal to sell in Germany at the time. Yeah, I, I'm guessing so. So you know, it's got that little underground like kind of credential to it. But I mean, I, I suppose the main thing is the, I think of oh DIY German horror, and I think of course of our friend of the pod, Jörg Butgerite. Uh, this is not mm-hmm. anything like Butgerite's work <laughs> no. because Butgerite is actually a filmmaker and like a. V- you know, a visionary kind of person. He's doing something very specific with minimal means, but still means. I mean, he's shooting on film. He actually has people making stuff. He's, you know, he's got a filmic craft behind him. And uh, this is the step before that. This is just some guys. It's like, I mean, the, the main monster is basically he puts on a rubber mask. I, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. they do like kind of the evil dead, like, uh, prowling camera thing for a bit but then ultimately it's just it's the director i think plays the fucker and just kind of sticks mm-hmm. sticks on a rubber mask uh of just an ugly face and that's that's the whole film that's the special effects we are we're treated to yeah uh, i i don't know what the fuck the mask is like an <laughs> uncle fester maybe so, or yeah. something I was say maybe <laughs> like tor johnson or something yeah uh, hard to say uh but yeah i it it, it, it certainly it, there's there's no you know clear artistic vision <laughs> like you get with a booker right but not not to undercut the value of this because there is some value i think like when, when you look at this era of of shot on video and and we've gone into this uh before i you know obviously this kind of kicked off in the early 1980s and uh we've covered some sov stuff on the show but you know a, a lot of those were were still trying to play by the rules of contemporary cinema or horror cinema in in the sense that they were they were shooting a feature length film on a vhs camera and this it it functions more as it's almost like a time capsule you know yeah like a lot of the joy is just seeing these these scuzzy blurry images of early 90s late 80s 
culture just kind of blipping onto the screen. And what it does inadvertently is it, it, it really kind of captures the, the energy, the, the vibes, if you will. Of, of that era of uh, independent shot on video horror. And that's kind of cool. Yeah, I think it's it's um, kind of ironic. I think that a lot of the, the VHS fueled horror in horror cinema itself was probably, you know, came off of Hideo Nakata's ring, which ironically was it kind of came out just at the emergence of DVD and the kind of mm -hmm. that specific view that we came to know for years. You know, I mean, so much of the cinema I kind of like came to know throughout that early 2000s period where I was really building my knowledge of film came from, you know, DVD images, which were better than VHS, but still, you know, quite blocky and lacking and, you know, hot colors and all these kind of things, you know, it's kind of like defined how I thought film looked. And it's true, like this is this is kind of the reminiscence of, of what came before of VHS of, of that kind of like, this is how a lot of things looked. Um, and, you know, it's funny because we think of people like, you know, Bajalski made computer chess specifically shot on like old vacuum tube cameras to recapture that kind of aesthetic. This, you know, is of the era, so I didn't have to look back to capture anything. But you're right. I think, you know, mm -hmm. for film fans and for fans of horror, like a lot of horror is, I think, you know, being in the midst of it. It's it's the most, uh, what we say, democratic of genres to, in a sense. You know, there, there is, I think, an appreciation for these films that are just kind of like very much of their era and off the cuff and just sort of happened <laughs> to some degree or another. And yeah, I think there, yeah. there's definitely a fun factor there. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and with Fuck the Devil too, you know, it, it, well, first of all, it has the core element of any great SOV horror film is a banging Casio soundtrack oh, yeah. by someone who probably doesn't know how to play a keyboard. And this has that <laughs> for sure. And then also a really weird, like dubbed in like R and B funk song. Of that that song is wild because it, it plays over the end credits and it's, it feels like one of those classic, like uh, European mainland gags. Like it's the kind of thing that like some an American would put in their movie as a joke about, you know, how mm -hmm. Europeans have like, Mainland Europeans, a lot of Germans have, have excellent English, but they, they don't quite have the context that comes with it. You know, it's still, it's a second language, which struck me as like, there's kind of this, this joke. There's a baby in the movie who's very quickly murdered and is also very clearly a doll in those shots. There's no attempt to hide it, but there is an original baby and the baby is credited in the cast uh, like a little on-screen thing. Just around the time the lyrics of that song say, I haven't fucked in five months, I'd do anything for a tight cunt, is, are the <laughs> lyrics that play dangerously close to on-screen footage of a baby. And it's one of those things that you wonder if everyone was speaking English and thinking this through and, you know, like, naturally, <laughs> would that have happened? And I don't know. But that's fuck the devil. It's, it's wild. Yeah. There are no rules. That's yeah, it's great stuff. And then the other thing I think it does really well, we mentioned this too, is uh, I, I guess the run runtime is technically like 45, 50 minutes, but like it, it's only a little, it's a little over 30 minutes yeah. long. And then it's like bloopers and credits. And then there's the, the, the credits in the beginning and it, it's short. It's a very compressed, compact to the point experience. They don't, they don't waste any time fucking around. And again, credit to them for just not, trying to drag this out and and make it a feature length horror film they you know they, they're shooting what they set out to shoot and that's it and it's as long as it is and otherwise who gives a fucking shit and that's the problem that a lot of sov films run into you know you look at uh movies like sledgehammer 
uh, which has this like same like weird vibe, droning otherworldliness to it, but it's feature length. <laughs> and this is this is shorter. And then, you know, there's there's other movies like uh, uh, Burning Moon, which is again, none of these are super long or anything. Uh, and it's it's a great gore reel, but the fatigue really sets in. And this is probably the shortest SOV horror film I've ever seen. And that certainly helps it. Uh, I gotta tell whereas, you, I gotta tell you, Steve, I, still too long. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want still too long, I should have had, I should have had us watch, well, this has nothing to do with Evil Dead, but maybe one day. I watched, a couple weeks ago, I watched Black Devil Doll, uh, which, again, uh, it has some very compelling images in it, and it's got some weirdness, and it's got some things that I really appreciate. Uh, but it's also a feature-length film that includes, like, two extended like 20 minute long it feels like sex scenes where a, a a black puppet is just fucking a woman in a bed forever <laughs> <laughs> so, that, that sounds, sounds like let my puppets come which we we previously it's, discussed on this this podcast yeah it's like it's like let my puppets come except there's just <laughs> there's just two sex scenes where the camera doesn't even fucking move it's just there <laughs> while this puppet is like humping a woman well, I feel like if this were like 10 minutes long, I'd be like, what a treasure. What a fun little thing. But at 30, I'm like, okay, I guess we need to see these people go down six flights of stairs again. For <laughs> there is a lot of stair traversal. Yeah, it's it's like in their yeah. apartment block. You wonder what their, their neighbors were thinking. I don't know. Maybe it's so short because they just had to get all the shots in before their parents came home. I don't know. But I think, I think they're old yeah. enough to have their own apartments because every room is just covered, like plastered in horror movie posters. So... It mm -hmm. feels like this is a couple of people who maybe just they're they're living in their their first place ever, and they're just they're you know living their best lives. Just uh, you know, got it, got all their loves up on the on the walls, and that's it. It's their little mm -hmm. horror sanctuaries. You Make guys the give these people too much credit. They're not fucking children. I bet you that baby is one of the. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think probably <laughs> so. I think they're in their early twenties. Uh, you know, but still, I mean. E it's making movies is hard you know you got to start with it something is. so it is and this true. is i i'd almost describe it as like the ideal thing if you if you went to the the thrift store and like uh threw a bunch of blank vhs's into your uh, cart just to fuck about have some time traveling see what you find this would be the perfect thing to find why the fuck mm -hmm. it is uh, on Blu-ray is beyond me, I, but you know. You know, as so you mentioned in that context, like, I do wonder if part of, because the Blu-ray came from the American Genre Film Archive uh, and something weird, and I do wonder if this was exactly the kind of thing that was uncovered for, like, those found footage festivals. If just, mm -hmm. you know, someone was in a video store in Germany and found it and tracked the guy down. I have no idea of the, the, the path, but honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if that's, that was kind of how this came about. I will say, mm -hmm. like, not knowing what this was going in and having just written uh, an extensive thing about German horror of the era that, and uh, Jörg Bukerit, I was like, why have I never heard of this? Who the fuck's this Polklesner fellow? <laughs> and then I watched it and I was like, oh, well, <laughs> this checks out. Not quite the same league. It's kind of like uh, the, yeah. this, this is the school league. And, you know, it's, it's where the talent comes up sometimes. I was like, well, it wasn't a great oversight in my academic paper to not mention fuck the devil. Oh man, you you definitely need to get fuck the fucker into an academic paper at some point. You you need to work on that. Yeah, there's there's probably something here. I I like the idea of you like going on to grad school, Myros, and you have to write an entire master's thesis about 
uh, German shot on video films. So you have to write about like that Olaf Ittenbach guy who did Burning Moon and then the fuck the devil guy. And that's all you can watch for like two years. Just <laughs> cycling through frame by frame, really examining everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, it's, God, it's God. another day on the podcast where I'm fantasy booking Myros having a psychotic break. <laughs> <laughs> Adjusting the tracking on your VCR player you picked up specifically for the task. <laughs> I will say, Bootgarit was was in and of himself a very uh, good uh, subject just to throw in some strange things into academic writing. I'm like, well, feels good to be able to type the words necrotic penis into, <laughs> into an <laughs> academic paper with reason. Oh, we love a good necrotic penis, don't we, folks? Well, uh, I guess I guess moving on from that, um, we got a couple of of mid '90s releases. So this is like a solid, I guess, would it be ten years almost after Evil Dead Two. But if Fuck the Devil is, you know, if if it provided creative inspiration, then I think these these other two are more uh, aesthetically aligned. Specifically, a little movie also out of Michigan, like Evil Dead, called Frostbiter, Wrath of the Wendigo. And I'm, I'm so glad that we were talking about these. You know, we talked about how people would see Evil Dead and they go, fuck, I should make a movie. Because the director and writer of Frostbiter, Wrath of the Wendigo, uh, quite literally went to the premiere of Evil Dead at the Redford Theater in Redford, Michigan, with his friends. And he saw Evil Dead and he said, holy shit, I have to make a movie. And he did uh, over the course of many, many years. So Tom Chaney and his buds were working in the Michigan film industry at the time, doing commercial work. And anytime they had a little bit of money, a little bit of time, uh, a set they could use, uh, whatever, they would work on Frostbiter, <laughs> Wrath of the Wendigo. <laughs> and let me tell you. I I fucking love this, this, this movie. This movie kicks ass. <laughs> I, I think if you ever want to key in on a movie that's going to be a good time, if it has something like this in the end credits, uh, filmed almost entirely in downtown Tecumseh, Michigan, the refrigeration capital of the world, that's that's <laughs> how you know you've watched a great movie, when that just shows up in, in the yeah. end credits. The end credits, which run 10 minutes nearly, or at least 7 or 8, they go on a long, long mm -hmm. time, because I think they're covering many years but yeah this, this is the uh i mean this is very much in the i mean they, i think do all of these films have an evil dead poster visible in them i can't remember if the the last one does but certainly fuck the devil mm -hmm. and this have evil dead you know on the screen at some point but i mean there's yeah. an enormous amount of talent in this this covers a i mean they've got props you've got a lot of miniature work you've got like claymation stop motion animation uh, you know, it's, it stars Ron fucking Ashton from the Stooges. The guitar player from <laughs> Iggy and the fucking Stooges <laughs> plays the lead. Like, come on. Yeah, there's just some really, really odd elements to it. And it's really fun. It is. It was marketed by Troma. So and it does have that kind of like Troma energy, which is, uh, you know, can work for or against a movie where it's, it's very on all the time. There isn't really pacing. There's just different variants of screaming kind of in each scene, like there, there's just this high energy throughout, there's no modulation particularly, which in a lot of films, in a lot of the trauma films, I find gets really tiresome, it gets very, really great, but this movie just has such a 
kind of lunk-headed charm to it and and clearly is courting exactly that i mean there's a oh, you know the, uh, the amazing songs about like the one of the guys like watch reading his magazine like like delicious babes or delicious dames porno mag like that someone had to mock <laughs> up for the whole movie is just an absolute goofball show and it's really yeah. really fun yeah it's it's basically like if someone made a movie and then the reaction they were looking for is like me shaking a bag of dog treats in front of a golden retriever. That's me. I'm the golden retriever. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, you like miniatures? I'm like, oh, yeah. And then it's like, oh, you like practical <laughs> effects? Yeah. And it's like, oh, rubber mask? Yeah. Like, I just, like, all the shit that I fucking love. And it's, it, it's done with so much passion and love. And, and it's got this great DIY aesthetic. So, yeah, I mean, if you break it down to nuts and bolts, is it functionally great? Absolutely fucking not. But it's gory and it's stupid and it's got stop motion animation. And there's a weird old man ghost that shoots energy beams out of his fingers. It's fucking great. Like this, this is practically <laughs> As Adam movie. discovered not, not just one, but two different songs about chili. <laughs> Yeah, yes. and one is like, it's, it's like Kiss by Prince, but it's like, chili! And then the other one is just, it's like a fucking weird punk song where they're just giving a, a chili recipe. It's not even a recipe. It's like their preferences. I think I, like, I, no I was beans, trying to no see what, onions. like past, it seemed like maybe a, like a B-52s type thing they were going for with that one. I don't know. This is the weird like female harmonies from that are very distinct to like mm -hmm. the 80s. I yeah. don't know. Chili. Two songs about chili. Yeah, and of course there <laughs> two are fucking songs about there are chili. chili demons, of course, which is why you would need not yeah. just one but two, because there's two separate chili demon attack sequences. So it's it's <laughs> like it's not like they're just doing this for fun. This is serious, like, you know, nuts and bolts stuff. <laughs> it's a whole Which show. seems to fit right in with the fucking Wendigo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not just quite, out of the blue. <laughs> not quite sure the uh the, the legacy of the Wendigo is very rep authentically represented here, but uh <laughs> sure why why not i mean it's 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 great i mean the first 10 15 minutes or so of this just had me completely on board because it is like almost like an american kaiju film in that there's just like all these they don't have like a giant monster stomping on little things but like there's all this miniature work there's airplanes every scene in this is introduced with this wonderful like just like little painting picture like all the all the establishing shots are paintings and you know because mm -hmm. they didn't how are you gonna do a snowy wasteland unless you go there that would be expensive and annoying I'm not gonna just do that so like it, it just is this wonderful uh kind of like homey kind of aesthetic to it, it it's really oh, and fun the lunky bozo shit is so fucking good and i think the essence of that because i guarantee they didn't realize that this is gonna make me laugh every like three minutes when they used it but you know, the, the Wendigo is, it, it's got this like Native American mysticism tied to it in the film. And presumably that's where the, uh, the legend comes from, but their way of like representing that is every time someone's talking about the Wendigo, they play like a fucking Asian pan flute noise. <laughs> Close. I mean, that's, that's a white, it's like, oh, it's the same thing. that's a white person, you know, key for just exotic, like pan pipes. Yeah, exactly. The mind wanders afar to, to realms unknown. Who can understand where the pan pipe comes from? It's, it's, yeah. it's I don't, maybe it's different in you, you guys' fancy Blu-ray, but in the trauma version that I watched, the sound mix is goddamn insane on this thing. Like, it, oh, it, the music is so it's just aggressive <laughs> on the, on the Vinegar Syndrome yeah. Blu-ray. It's just the loudest movie I've ever played. Like, everything yeah. is well, up front. Guys, 
You can't that hear is, half the uh, dialogue because the music is just like, oh, this is what we're focusing on. I guess <laughs> the chili songs. Cause this is a design, not a bug, but this is by, by design, 100%, the feature. Now, <laughs> there's an interview on, on the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray with the director, and at one point towards the end of the interview, someone finally asked him, like, what's up with the sound mix? <laughs> And the answer is better than I ever could have imagined. He said that they were, they were doing some editing. They had an editor locally who kind of cut the film together. And then they were mixing the sound in Canada. And Tom Chaney, director, was working side by side with uh, some, some guys who had done sound for David Cronenberg. And they had a, what he thought was a really good sound mix. And he came back to the States and then... Uh, apparently someone was just like, nah, you gotta crank that music up. And they just did. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine you're working with David fucking Cronenberg's like sound guys, and then you're like, nah, my buddy in an ACDC shirt with cutoff <laughs> sleeves is like, crank it up. That's like, dude, that's like <laughs> and then he said at the at the fucking premiere of the movie uh in, in Ann Arbor, Myros, literally in your backyard yeah, here, yeah. the Ann Arbor Theater. Um he said that that like one of the first reviews that came out was like a, a local a film critic had gone to see it. And the film critic said that he felt like while he was watching the movie, someone was holding a boom box directly behind his head. <laughs> I mean, that's the most American movie kind of story, to, which which oh, tracks yeah, right? perfectly with this production. Uh, it is it is that wonderful mix of like a lot of genuine skill. I mean, even the claymation and stuff, even even as as obviously amateurish as some of it is. I mean, it's still very well done. Like there's there's a lot of skill within this, but there's also that kind of like clumsy sort of like just get it done. Let's you know we're not a prof mm -hmm. this isn't a real movie. We're not real filmmakers. Like whatever we do is gonna be you know kind of outsider status so let's just do it and and it kind of creates this wonderful kind of blend throughout and i mean like i said certainly the movie at like 80 minutes it, it kind of like at a certain point you're kind of like okay all right this is, this is getting a little bit like crazy but um it it holds together pretty well generally speaking i i really was very entertained by by this whole mm -hmm whole pathway towards literally uh, sticking a skull on a, on a stick. That's the entire dramatic arc of this film is a skull <laughs> oh. gets knocked off a stick and then and another person has to come and put the skull back on the stick. That's it's it's really great because and this is again to the credit of the film. They've taken a simple premise, which is a half dozen uh, just wonderfully cast, perfect Upper Peninsula Michigan people, which is they're like drunk and wearing flannel and like threatening people with guns, <laughs> stick a half a dozen of them in a tiny cabin and they get attacked by monsters. Very simple premise. And they're like, okay, so within that simple premise, how do we make it as convoluted as humanly possible? And there's, uh, uh, I mean, it starts off with like this guy kills a Wendigo and then he has to make a sacred circle out of all these skulls. And then he's like 130 years old and he's like just a clearly like a 20 year old man in an old man rubber <laughs> suit. And then he could shoot laser beams and he and he turns into a skeleton and then all this shit fucking happens. And it's, it's just wonderful because that's what they do. They take the simplest premise possible and they're like, fuck it. And then they just just spray goofy shit everywhere. I, and it yeah, works I perfectly. <laughs> and one of the the thing kicks off because one of the protagonists is just like 
belligerent and storms <laughs> onto the guy's property and shoots him with a rifle for no reason at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's just like, look at this dumb cabin. Oh, there's skulls. And the old guy's like, please get off my ladder. He's like, fuck you. <laughs> and this is one of the heroes of the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, this enormous that we're, we're asked to, to get on board with our heroes despite them all seem to be terrible people. There, there's another point where they're all hanging out in the cabin and a, a new guy shows up and he's he's black and there's this awkward pause when they find out he's black <laughs> and he's like is this because i'm black and they're and then suddenly after a while they're like no no it isn't and then no other mention like there's no other racial politics in the film whatsoever mm-hmm. it's just it's just there really yep. weird but who knows? Did, like, again, the tropes of version with that energy, guy, man. Where they're like, oh, we <laughs> killed the black man first, except that he just never dies. He just goes back, he just loses the hand. The chili demons just eat his hand off, and then the rest of the movie is just fine. Except he has the no rest hand. of the movie, he has very clearly just got a bloody handkerchief over his hand. Because it's just very, mm-hmm. very, not very convincing special effects, but... Hey, you know, it's they probably had to put this together on weekends. So, well, they, yeah, yeah, the special effects worked in its favor, frankly. As <laughs> does the writing, even though it's like ridiculously bad, considering it could just be like this very utilitarian thing. I mean, and yeah. it is like, why is there a chosen one? <laughs> why do we even involve all this fucking it like, reminds news me casts and stuff that are just like the worst blizzard in the history of mankind? Do, except none do you of want our to know why shots of any snow in them whatsoever to except- push it to feature length, right? Uh, Correct. Yeah. yeah. So when they were, uh, the editor was putting this together, and I guess she called up Tom Cheney and was just like, "Hey, so the movie's done, but just so you know." It's only 68 minutes long. And he was like, oh, so then they went back and they shot the newscast stuff so they could get it over 75 minutes, basically. Yeah, the, that, the newscast the stuff is great because it is it literally it, it feels like just the most uninteresting Vox Pop stuff. Just kind of <laughs> like, what? why? Yeah, it's just it doesn't match what they have either. Like, no. this is not shot during a snowstorm. <laughs> There's some standard winter, no. uh, not Upper Peninsula. Some very standard southern Michigan winter snow on the ground. Uh, nothing too extreme. Oh, yeah. But... They're just... <laughs> well, because the whole thing, it was basically shot in your backyard, yeah. Myros. It was all shot in, like, Chelsea and Tecumseh and Ann Arbor. So it's like, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, it does... It, I mean, if anything, this, this film does remind me a little bit of another classic uh, regional horror film, Winter Beast. But it, I will say this, mm-hmm. this doesn't have the weirdness of Winter Beast. Winter Beast is, like, a very special kind of alchemy of just insane yeah. and bizarre kind you of tropes. Like this is winter beast a lot more than I do. Give me this oh. uh, 10 times out of 10. <laughs> oh, no. Just... Well, I mean, this is, I think the difference is, is Frost, Frostbite or Wrath of the Wendigo is competent. Yeah. And in ways that are like super surprising. Sure. Like, oh my God, this miniature work looks amazing. Uh, there is that. And, but no, <laughs> there's, there's nothing like that scene in Winter Beast where the guy just puts on a mask. The hotel owner puts on a mask and just stands in a room while creepy music plays, which is genuine to me like a, <laughs> a like a, key horror memory image I will keep forever with me. Uh, you know, th- that's what Winter, Be- Winter Beast is packing something else. Winter Beast is cinema. This is a movie. This is fun. This is, this is fun. Winter Beast is something else. See, the problem is memory lies to you, Jack. There's, there are those moments in Winter Beast, but th- what this says over Winter Beast is that there are not 
like long 10 minute stretches where I just want to gouge my fucking eyes out because nothing at all. <laughs> Look, at the end of this movie, you know what the Wendigo is, but at the end of Winter Beast, you have no idea what the Winter Beast was. And I think that's a very special trait. Yeah, it's probably, it probably was a Wendigo, yes. although it kind of looks like a space alien a little bit, if I remember correctly. Well, this Wendigo is like a centaur or something. Yeah, it's like a. I, I think it's, I mean, what the fuck is that movie? I, I watched some movie and it was um, a few years ago. It's probably 2017, 2018. But it's literally about like a group of guys on a bachelor trip to the Norse woods and they get attacked by like a deer antler monster. And it's, I mean, it's like serious business horror. And that's what this looks I mean, like. He looks, so I'm guessing. Yeah, he looks you know. a bit like Goro from Mortal Kombat, but with that, with like with more yeah. antlers. But oh no, it's uh, it's not Goro. It's uh, can, is it Kintaro? Oh, Kintaro. Because Goro's got yeah, all. Goro's yeah. the forearm. Goro's the guy. one who gets punched in the nuts. That's right. Kintaro yeah, is the centaur. You're you're correct. Sorry, my my Mortal Kombat lore is, is slipping. Wow. Now we're gonna get angry emails. You gotta watch <sighs> it with this shit, man. Fucking Mortal Kombat fans, janky ass games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, Frostbiter Wrath of the Wendigo fucking rocks. Uh, I saw this for the first time maybe four or five years ago, and I was like, holy shit, this needs to be like remastered and re-released by someone. And and lo and behold, uh, you know, Vinegar Syndrome delivered. So God bless. I also him. just want to do like a key shout out to the amazing scene with the with the woman who shows up. They got they got an actress to actually do nudity, which well done, guys. That's that's impressive. But they they tie it in with like a gag with like a she's a centerfold model, and that the after she's revealed to be a monster, that the the photo the centerfold photo changes to her being like threatening. It's this is really insane very evil dead joke actually uh, very mm -hmm. much in that spirit but uh very well pulled off i mean there definitely this one i think is anyone should check it out if you enjoy evil dead 2 you'll probably pull some kind of satisfaction out of this even if you're like oh maybe you know it's it's not quite as pol like evil dead 2 is, is <laughs> you know much better better managed yeah. uh, this this is still there's a lot of fun in here this is a great beer movie yeah, and, and I think one of the things when, we, when we're talking about Evil Dead pastiche, and this is one of my key problems with the 2013 one, is it gets gets the gore, you know? Uh, Evil Dead 2013, amazing practical effects. Some of the best I have seen in, in the last 25 years, like, bar fucking none. Just really, really good shit. Uh, and it gets that, but it misses out on the fact that uh, while the evil dead series is it's a lot of gory horror. It's also the fucking Harryhausen shit in army of darkness. And more importantly, what does Sam Raimi love more than horror? And the answer is the three stooges. Now frostbite wrath, the Wendigo, it's got that energy. Yes. Like there's, there's real goofball shit. And I, I mean, I can't say for sure that Tom Chaney's a stooge is a, Oh, he's a stooges fan. Cause Ron Ashton is in the movie, but I don't know if he's a three stooges fan. Uh, but, he knows a good visual gag and a good sight gag, and, and he knows how to shoot that shit, and it looks great. Yeah, I mean... It, uh, Frostbite or Wrath of the Wendigo is It's amazing. telling that the, the version I watched, which was the Troma DVD release, ends not... It, it, after the long credits, it immediately rolls into a, a featurette, which is like some sort of like uh, Ron Ashton spinal tap piss take thing where they sing some song about bitchin' babes, which is just about like a father and son... Like fucking Eiffel Tower in women or something. I don't know what the hell this is. Classic. I hope that's on the Vinegar wow. Syndrome Blue. I, I've not been exposed to the Bitch and Babes segment yet. 
It's pretty great, yeah, considering that. that it just has nothing to do at all with a horror movie, and it's just sad on the end of it. Yeah, because it's confusing, because yeah, the credits for for um, for Frostbite are definitely mentioned bitching babes a lot, uh, but it's not in the version I saw, so who the hell knows? Yeah, you know, one thing I do miss that this doesn't have, but, you know, all the old trauma DVDs definitely have, like, you would get a, a trauma movie that was not directed by Lloyd Kaufman, but just distributed by trauma. And then there would be an introduction, though, from Lloyd Kaufman. And it was almost like he was trying to sell you on keeping the movie on. <laughs> <laughs> like he had to hype you up so that you wouldn't turn it off. See, this opens amazing. with like uh, some sort of bizarre, like sizzle reel of the film cut together with what seems to be like stolen Danny Elfman music. <laughs> Very Love strange. That. Love that. Classic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, goddamn, Troma knows how to put together a DVD. That's for sure. All right. Well, we've got one more movie to talk about. So, uh, you know, we've we've been to Germany. We've been in, you know, Evil Dead country itself, Michigan, uh, with Frostbite or Wrath of the Wendigo. Why don't we go to the the land of the wooden pan flute that Frostbite or Wrath of the Wendigo loves so much? Uh, Japan. And there is a, a wonderful movie made there that took, again, like Wendigo, took years and years to make. And this one was shot on Super 8. Uh, from Shinichi Fukuzawa, I probably said that wrong, uh, shot on Super 8, finished in 1995. I don't think it was, like, screened in any capacity until, like, a decade later, and then was finally available on DVD in 2014, so this is another one. It's been on a long journey. Uh, but goddamn, name a movie with a better title than Bloody Muscle Bodybuilder in Hell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and th this is another one, too, where... I think it tries to sell itself as the Japanese Evil Dead, and I, and I think if you look at the poster for the movie on IMDb, it, it literally says uh, "AKA the Japanese Evil Dead." <laughs> but that's kind of that's kind of eh, undercutting it a little bit because it's it's got that Evil Dead sensibility, but it's also uh, it, it's got plenty of stringy black haired uh, Asian ghost cinema going on here too. So it's it's got grudgy ringy things going on. Uh, but again, another movie that probably cost about $5 to make and just took some guy's apartment <laughs> and converted it into a film set uh, for a, a pretty goddamn good time. So, yeah, may maybe not as uh, madcap goofy as, as Wendigo, but, uh, you know. Yeah, it's, I mean, really, again, I quite enjoyed this. Um, it reminded me a little bit of, like, the work of Yoshihiro Nishimura, who'd be known for, like, Tokyo Gore Police and stuff, but it, I think it predates his entire mm -hmm. career. Maybe maybe not quite. Actually, no, he's, he's been... I'm just checking. Actually, his first film came out the same year, Anatomia Extinction. So, you know, I guess uh, the same same kind of thing, but Nishimura, I think, had more resources at the, by the time he was, like, getting above the line, kind of getting yeah. stuff Most out. Most people had more resources, yeah, yeah. I would imagine. But, but this has, again, it's got a great mixture of, like, practical special effects and stop motion and stuff. I mean, again, I guess you would say, like, Tetsuo, probably um, Tsukamoto's film would be... Uh, a touch point you know i mean japan has a pretty has has always maintained a pretty lively independent and experimental film kind of environment but this is yeah again very clearly like a commercially kind of pitched horror movie but like made for nothing just like special effects and just event and craziness and it's it is mm -hmm. literally three people go to a house 
and an evil spirit is there and then there's just lots of carnage and that's the whole thing and it's i mean it is really funny because i think there are only three people in it and one person dies very quickly and then there's still a bunch of carnage but the other two people make it out alive which is very confusing and mm. uh, numerically i don't even remember exactly how they <laughs> do that it does help that later on there's just a giant like story of ricky giant blood filled like inflatable man nearly that that just shows up that they they keep stabbing and punching and just blood goes everywhere um mm -hmm. but yeah you kind of kind of a you know if you're in the mood for it i think it's fun it's an hour long straight up like it's it's not it, it doesn't it doesn't try to to hang around for too too long um has some weird humor in it for for sure i mean the fact that the man is a bodybuilder becomes like my main weapon is my muscles he's like he, he <laughs> pushes aside all of the other things and realizes his secret power over the demons is the fact that he's ripped uh but he also yeah, has a gun so uh, i don't know uh, it's, it's a just, movie where you kept lot, expecting the chainsaw on. i was like okay the, the chainsaw any second we're getting that chainsaw it's like no nope, no, no chainsaws no nope. no budget for a chainsaw. they stab a guy in the head and 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 his eyeball is on the tip of the knife as it goes through and then as they pull the knife back the eyeball just goes back in and keeps working which i thought was a pretty pretty entertaining but yeah this this film is unhinged it's just absurd that's very absurd uh and, and one of the things i really love about it is you know if Fuck the Devil is a time capsule. This is a movie that feels just completely divorced from time and space. <laughs> uh, shot in the mid-90s, but it's shot on Super 8. So you, you, like, if you told me this was shot in 78 or 98, I would not be able to tell you, like, what, somewhere in there. Yeah, sure. And then it, it's also got this crazy style to it because, like we said, it's, it's three people inside of a very small apartment, and that's it, really. I mean, there's a few exteriors, and that's that's all but there's really not not a lot going on so what they do is like the the camera movements that they use and the way this thing is shot is fucking zany as shit and part of it is like you have to have these grotesque close-ups and these wacky camera movements just because of the logistics of the room they are in like they, they literally it's not like you can just set up a fucking tripod and go uh to get a lot of these shots you need to be completely in other people's faces and it creates a, a very uh kind of manic deranged energy to the whole thing yeah knowing knowing and, how uh, com yeah. you know how much you know crowded like tightly compacted people tend to be in a lot of you know japan i reckon even more so than than uh, fuck the devil's uh, neighbors i the neighbors of this guy must really have hated him if this took a long time to oh, shoot absolutely yeah i can only imagine uh Myros, where does this uh, fall in your Evil Dead ripoff power rank? I, I had fun with it to an extent. I, I think much like Fuck the Devil, uh, I was like, boy, I wish this was half as long as it actually is. There's <laughs> <laughs> like a point, I think, uh, yeah, pretty much when the old inflatable meat man comes to call and I was like, isn't this movie done? Like, it's, it feels like we've, we've explored what we were going for here. Like, yeah. I just like how, yeah, like nobody's dying because right. the... the because it really is. It's like a guy and his girlfriend, and then they're like, "Well, we've got this like murder haunted apartment that my dad was in, and we're gonna bring a, a psychic." And then the psychic dies within the first like ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and it. there's also like so, no danger yeah. in the film at a certain point either. I guess at the very end they just decide that they're gonna do like the the bite transmits the evil or something, but that's not a part of the entire mm -hmm. film really. Uh, so th they basically just like 
dis uh, dismember this, uh, you know, deadite ghoul fellow, and then his body parts are just kind of like sitting around, and you're like, well, how's he's not going to be able to like kill either of these people? So there's not really any mm. danger. It's just all of a sudden a head will fly out, and then they pick it up and throw it, it around the room. Yeah, it does feel it has it has a strong like special effects real feel. <laughs> sort of like I could do all this if you'd give me a chance. Yeah, imagine if I had a thousand dollars instead of a hundred dollars. Yeah. I mean, he makes he makes a fair point. I mean, they they do a lot of he does do a lot here with very very little. You know, as we compare yeah. to say, you know, fuck the devil, where like at one point like a guy disappears because they do a jump cut. Uh, this is this is a mm -hmm. little bit more you know fantastical than that, certainly. Yeah. Uh well, and again, uh, I mean, the, the guy he's good at flexing too. Let's let's not discount him on that one. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it, kind of like fuck the devil where I, I didn't struggle with the, uh, the runtime Myros. I gotta say, I, I'm, I'm a patient enough, man. It sounds like you just, you've been on TikTok too long. Your attention span is, is, uh, deteriorated. Well, it's not that but, I couldn't pay attention to it. It's just that it was out of juice. Like, it was just, <laughs> the thing was close to the finish line. <laughs> It it does have curious details because like at one point he gets uh, the main character gets a shotgun and he holds it up and he goes "Sayonara, baby," which I'm pretty sure <laughs> is the line from Terminator Two in the Spanish language dub because "Hasta la vista, baby" <laughs> doesn't work in Spanish because it is Spanish. So yeah, I think they changed that to "Sayonara, baby," and now I'm wondering did did this Japanese guy watch Terminator Two in Spanish or did the line? cut back to Japan, like, that version went back and got popular. Very, you know, I don't know, but that's, uh, maybe he did, it feels like it's gotta be a Terminator 2 reference the way it's framed in the movie, but I don't know. Wait, I don't so, know what's happening. There's a point early, and tell me if I'm nuts, but it seems as if they just dub Bruce Campbell's groovy <laughs> into the fucking movie when he's supposed to be saying it. Like it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't even seem like it's it's a uh, ADR work. It just seems like they took Bruce Campbell's line reading and, and laid it over. Yeah, I, I, you're right. I'd I'd forgotten about that because I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah, because I don't know if this one has an Evil Dead poster in it. I don't. I maybe it doesn't, but it just had the groovy line. Whereas the other, I don't think there's a single thing on the wall. Yeah, in this yeah, entire it's apartment. very, very like, sparse. Well, there's a, there's a clock at one point, uh, <laughs> which I don't even know if they show it on camera, but they just show it like flying very across dangerous, the room and smacking very dangerous the clock. The <laughs> yeah, the guy's knocked out yeah. cold by a like three dollar plastic <laughs> clock that like probably weighs like five grams, like just a, <laughs> the lightest thing. Like you break it by touching it. But hey, you know, I guess it's thrown by supernatural forces. We don't know what they're capable of. They could do they could do all exactly. kinds of things. When was the last time you got hit by a clock with a ghost? Yeah. Huh? Huh? Yeah. I, I was also yeah, very amused no by fun. the uh, cultural differences in in the term bodybuilder between <laughs> Japan and the West. He he seems like a smaller, yeah, like a slightly smaller breed of but definitely he's a, works he's out. A fit but man. probably yeah. he's a fit I don't man. Know. He's he's the kind of uh, he's the kind of bodybuilder who goes to Planet Fitness three to four yeah, times. Yeah, he, he's a fit yeah. man, and if he got cast <laughs> to play like a Marvel hero today, they would demand that he put on fifty more pounds of muscle. <laughs> yeah. he, he couldn't stand next to Arnold and not look ridiculous. I'll say. <laughs> no, he could, yeah, that's that's very true. Very true. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, this is another one too where I think uh, there's there's a brand new 
Blu-ray out, and I don't even know who the fuck released it. Uh, now I feel like a bad person. Is there, it was uh, Terracotta had it on DVD in the UK. I don't know. It does it have a US release? It's on Tubi, and like so, you could stream this in the US for free. Uh, you know, yeah. so it's it's probably. I, I know Wicked Eye has the distribution rights, but oh Jesus! Now I have to look this uh, up because this one is probably the most immediately accessible for American audiences. It's literally just oh. on Tubi. I don't know if the other two are. Yeah. No, no, the other two are a, a little bit harder to access, I'd imagine. But uh, okay, Visual Vengeance put out. Oh, the okay. Blu-ray, and yes, it's on Tubi. You can watch this right the fuck now. Uh, would recommend. Doesn't that. look like a Blu-ray. I'm sure the Blu-ray doesn't look like oh. a Blu-ray since it was shot on Super <laughs> Eight. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm. I think there's I'm always so much to do with that. None of us had access to the uh, the fuck the devil Blu-ray, unfortunately. But I I really want to know what the fuck that looks like. It's gonna be like yeah. fully uncompressed VHS goodness. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. Maybe I I think I'm gonna bite the bullet because uh, yeah, I'll I'll buy it. I'll buy it next month because I think there's gonna be the it's the halfway to Black Friday sale thing for. For vinegar Heck yeah, well, well, I'm gonna hang. I'm gonna go up to your place. We're gonna crack a couple of beers and uh, yeah. do do a fuck the, fuck the devil one and two double bill in eighty minutes or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be great. <laughs> I don't know how long fuck the devil. I feel two like we're gonna have to pre-drink on IMDb. Uh, well, maybe it's I, secretly I, hidden somewhere in the vast recesses of be, old IMDb. But <laughs> it would be really funny if it was like two and a half hours long. That'd be that'd like be a that. great bit. Oh, maybe. We'll see. We're going to find out. <laughs> we'll know eventually. <laughs> Sometime in June, we'll make this happen. All right. Well, we should probably wrap this up. So, uh, Myros, what are you putting over this no, week? No, I have certainly not watched anything, but I had something come to mind when we're talking on this subject that we, we honestly could have covered. Uh, is going back to our old pal, Damon Packard, whose debut, uh, Dawn of an Evil Millennium, is very much uh, a, a bizarro Evil Dead ripoff uh, in its way. Um, so yeah, it, it's a strange. It's Damon Packard. If you don't know what you're in for, uh, go listen to our episode. But uh, yeah, yeah, this is is kind of unfiltered, unhinged uh, nonsense. So yeah, I would say spend yeah. twenty minutes and uh, watch Dawn of an Evil Millennium, and you'll be uh, happy you did. Love it. Is there is there vomiting and screaming in this uh, movie? Yeah, there is. Definitely. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's definitely a Packer joint then. Yeah, it's a Packer joint there. Uh, Jack, what are you putting over this week? I'm, I'm going to put over two things very briefly. First off, uh, I watched the Second Sight 4K of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and holy shit, it just looks incredible. So I'm sure there's a 4K in the US too, uh, so I'm sure it looks very, very similar. But like, it is insane how the gnarliest movie ever made up to that point in history looks so good uh, in home video. It's absolutely incredible. So definitely recommend Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Great movie if you've never heard of it. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Uh, and I'm going to more officially put over a 1979 Hong Kong movie called Knockabout, which is directed by Sammo Hung, but is notable because it's really, it was when Sammo Hung really was trying to make a star out of his, his, uh, his Peking opera school buddy, Yun Bao. And uh, so it's kind of uh, Yun's first kind of lead role. 
and also a showcase for his athletic abilities. The training sequences at the end of the movie, because you gotta have training sequences. His kung fu is not good enough to defeat this man. He needs he needs to to learn mm. new kung fu. The training sequences are honestly, I swear to God, I was flinching looking at them. They are insane. Um, so yeah, knockabout. It's it's basically a wild comedy that ends with like the last half hour is like you know, kind of like bare knuckle vengeance. Uh, it's a typical Hong Kong fair, basically. You get whiplash somewhere in the middle as Love it just it. completely changes genre. Uh, good stuff. Great. Well, this week I'm putting over uh, a little, little classic cinema for you. 1920, one week, Buster Keaton. Fucking That's great. Good stuff. Uh, it's it's really good. And then I, I love watching a movie and I'm like, I literally don't know how he did this without causing severe bodily harm to himself or someone else. And it's kind of wild to me that, yeah, the, the, the stunt work and the gags in this movie over a hundred years later are better than anything that I could go see in a movie theater this week. So, uh, shout out Buster Keaton doing great shit. Uh, nobody has a, a house fall on him like that guy. Let me tell you. <laughs> the, se- the secret <laughs> is that he just did actually injure himself a lot. It's just very much the Hong Kong yeah, school. Imagine. It's just sort of like, wow, how do they do that? It's like, oh, they just ignored all the warning signs. Mm-hmm. That's always good. Yeah, th- that happens all the time. Like you, you, The sign of a, of a quality Hong Kong film is you watch a guy get hit by a car. And you're like, God damn, how did he not break his neck? It's like, well, he yeah. did. <laughs> he only found out about it a couple of weeks later, though. Mm hmm. Yep. Yep. That's the way to do it. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, do us a big favor and click the link in the description and that will take you to our Patreon page. And why would you want to go to our Patreon page? It's a great question. The answer is so you can give us money because podcasting is very, very expensive. We got to pay hosting fees, uh, all, all kinds of stuff. We have to obtain a Blu-ray copy of Fuck the Devil and Fuck the Devil 2. How much could that cost? Who knows? It, probably a, a king's ransom, I would imagine. So, uh, yeah, if, if you'd like to donate, we'd really appreciate it. And it's not like you're not going to get shit for it. We're going to give you shit, too. Uh, if you donate at any level, and you live in the continental United States, I will send you a movie in the mail. That's right. A Blu-ray, a DVD, a box set, a laser disc, a VHS tape. You have no idea what you're going to get, but you're going to get something. Who knows? I actually have a stack of VHS tapes, including some unmarked, like, what I assume are blank, but maybe not blank. They're just, like, generic VHS tapes. Who knows what's on those? Could be Fuck the Devil 2. I'll just send you one. Could be Fuck the Devil 2. We might find a third one. Or it could be, you know... I mean, it it came from a thrift store, so it could be some weird homemade porno. I don't know. Uh, Maybe I'll send it to you. You figure it out. We'll let God sort it out. Uh, But yeah, (laughs) you don't need any level. You get something like that. And uh, also, you get access to the entire back catalog of exclusive Optimism Vaccine content, which includes written articles and special podcast episodes, like the one you're going to get for Evil Dead Rises. Is it Rises or Rise? I don't I think know. think it's Rise. Uh, but you're going to get it. Just Rise. Just Rise. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, step one. Uh, but yeah, you'll get that. And then if you donate at a higher level, you donate at that $5 level, well, then you get to vote in our patron polls to determine future episodes and you also get a shout out on air on this very podcast the the lips of adam myros will utter your name and myros what are those uh, names? yeah one second quick update uh 
we have fuck the fucker coming in at 54 minutes 48 seconds approximately eight minutes longer than the listed time of the, of the first film so you're probably looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 minutes on that uh <laughs> Yeah, uh, so we have uh, Hoofy Thank Hoof, you. CWW, Evan, Ryan, Dustin, and Paula as our $5 nut patron. God bless them. God bless them all. And then, uh, you know, if, if you really, really want to support us, really want to help us out, you can donate at that $25 level. And uh, whether you want to be a reoccurring donor or just, a, you know, a one-time or a one-month at that $25 level, you get to choose an entire episode just for you. Dear listener, whatever you want, you want to watch, you want Anamiros to watch Hentai, you want to watch The Whale, uh, you want to watch Renfield three times to see if it gets better with each viewing, we, we could do a triple Renfield, he'll do it, just him, I'll listen to him talk about it, that's fine. Myers, you want to watch Renfield three I mean, times? I don't think that really is part of the stipulation, Steve, I, we, we can't be offering you're, you're people that they can tell us how many times to watch something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could promise that I would watch We could offer him anything. Not that I will watch it uh, 50 <laughs> times if you're so inclined to stipulate. Yeah. If you donate $50, Myros will watch Redfield 50 times. <laughs> Let's crowdsource this shit. We'll match every dollar with Jesus a Redfield watch. <laughs> oh, God. Just Myros, though. Not, not me. I'm not doing that. Uh, yeah, so a lot of, lot of great things for you there. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, optimismvaccine at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at optimismvaccine, and we would love to hear from you. And with that, I think that's everything. So, uh, gentlemen, watch out for Wentadose. Yeah.